I uh, spent a lot of time on this outline. <laughs> so I hope that you enjoy it. It's actually kind of hard to make an outline and capture like the things, but not too much, you know? So the front side is, it's pretty obvious. This is the front side. <laughs> so we'll start there. Um, but actually, I wanted to share, so while those are getting passed out, I don't know, I was like, I've been around for a while, most people know me, but not everyone, and I just want to share with you a little bit of who I love, and so I have this little video of my niece, my goddaughter, Madeline, and um, she, this is like, kind of connected because it has to do with worship, but I mostly just want to show you this because she's so cute. So, Lori, if you can hit it, hopefully the sound will work. Oh, maybe not. Okay, well, what she's singing. So I spent, like, a couple weeks with them. They had their third baby in July on the 10th, and what she's singing is, Bless the Lord. Oh, look at this rhythm. Oh, worship his holy name. Her <laughs> little duck shaker. <laughs> um, so I just thought that was really cute. And then you can go to the next slide. She's worshiping the Lord already. She'll be four, December 18th. So she's like three, almost four. And then the next slide, if you can get there. So there's Felix on the left, and then Elsie is the newest, and my dad with the two girls. Anyway, I just thought they were so cute. And so I wanted to share this with you. You know, there's that line from the lips of infants and babes comes perfect praise. Can I get an amen? Amen. And if you go to the next slide, Laura, another dear, dear person. This is like my whole family. I'm holding, this is Felix's baptism. I got to hold him. <laughs> I, my sister's behind me, and then her husband John, my brother Brian, the priest, my mom, dad, Mumsy, and Matt. And I just wanted to point out Mumsy. We celebrated her 90th birthday. Yeah, come on, Mumsy. 90 years of faithful love and service to the Lord and worship of the Lord. And she, I wanted to share my family with you guys a little bit because I'm just so inspired, right? Like, and for me, I know not everyone has the gift of having a mumsy or grandparent around all the time, but I've learned so much from mumsy. Her name's Joan. That's my middle name, Joan of Arc. <laughs> I love her. Um, she just gives me so much perspective on life. You know, I'm in like my 20s, Still, one more year. Uh, I can claim it. Um, but she, when I'm like in the midst of the throes of life, like what's gonna happen to me and blah blah blah, she's like, "Well, isn't life grand? You know, like doesn't God work in mysterious ways?" And just to see her faithfulness to the Lord. Anyway, I just want us to kind of reflect on that as we start to talk about worship tonight that this is a lifelong thing, um, beginning now, beginning today. Pray to God that we all have 80 more years 
um, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to come to know the Lord more deeply and to bring others into deeper relationship and inspire others in their walk with the Lord. So can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, I don't know what the next slide is, but you can go there. Um, I want to start with this idea that, yeah, that's good. Worship is being in right order, in right relationship with God. When we worship, we are in right relationship with God. Um, In the beginning, we were made in perfect order. Everything was right. Our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with one another, we honored, adored, glorified, um, respected the Lord perfectly, and he loved us perfectly. We loved him back perfectly until we didn't enter sin, enter disorder, enter the chaos, right? We all know the story. And since this time, it's been a spiritual battle. Really, it's been a spiritual battle. And the Catechism talks about prayer as prayer is our relationship with God. And it says prayer, our relationship with God, is a battle. It is a grace, a gift of grace that God gives freely to us. But it also, I love this, prayer is both a gift of grace and a determined response on our part. God freely gives the gift of relationship with himself to us, but it requires a determined response on our part. And that's the battle. It's not that um, we're like battling God, it's that we're battling um, from the fall all the things, the world, the flesh, um, the devil. Those are the things that we're battling in order to become right back in relationship, in right relationship with God. Um, So prayer is a battle, and I'd say worship is one of the greatest weapons that the Lord our God has given us in this battle. Um, If we look at the first commandment, I like to think of these as like the commandments. God loved us so much that he gave us like um, the battle plan. (laughs) You know, like when the generals are like standing over the board and they're like, you know, with the pieces. Um, God, he loved us so much that he gave us Here's, here's the plan, and I don't think it was a mistake that he put the first command first. And the first command begins with the Lord reminding us what he has done for us, which is brought us out of slavery. So since the fall, we've been kind of enslaved, right, to our own flesh, to the world, to the enemy. Um, so he, he begins by reminding us, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. And then he tells us the command, you will have no other God before me. You will not make for yourself any graven image or any likeness of anything in the heaven above, the earth beneath, the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. I am the Lord your God. You will have no other God beside me. This is his first command to us. And it's it's like, I think we should see this as a really big deal. It's like, if we do this, we're getting off on the right foot. We got to do this. Um, So, also I'm realizing my notes didn't update. (laughs) So I'm a little turned around. Um, Okay, so 
This is the first commandment, and God's given it. It's like our marching orders in this battle of prayer. And he gives us the command, right? He gives us this command because he knows how he made us. He knows it's not a question of if we will worship someone or something. It's not a question if we will love and give our heart to something, if we will serve something or someone. It's a question of who or what. Who will you serve? Who will you give your heart to? Who will you love? We're wired this way. We're wired to love, to adore, um, to desire, and to seek after the good, the true, the beautiful. He wired us to, to want what is good and to worship what is good, to give honor to what is good, to value it. So if we don't serve God, if we don't follow the first command, we're going to serve something else. Maybe it's money, maybe it's prestige, success, the work of our hands. Um, we're going to worship something else. So this is God's first command in, in our life, is that we accept him and that we worship him. The Catechism says that the worship of the one true God sets man free from turning in on himself, from slavery of sin and idolatry of the world. God loves us so much that he wants us to be set free. And so he tells us, worship me and worship me alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He loves us so much that he gives us this command, worship me and worship me alone. If you don't, you will be a slave. If you do, you will be free. You will be in right order. And that's what's at stake here is getting things back in right order, right? Returning to the original goodness, the original plan, returning to the, how it was in the beginning. That's what's at stake with our worship. Um, as I click back into place, it allows, I have this image kind of of these, the puzzle. Like as I click into right place with God, it allows other people to click into right place with God, right? We're like cut in a certain way um, to belong with the Lord. So I just love that quote from the catechism about how it's prayer and relationship with God is both a gift and a determined response. And so I want to just call to mind and kind of rouse us a little bit that if we are going to live lives of worship, if we are going to follow the first command, that we need to be determined. A life of worship is a focused life. A life of worship is a determined life. Think about it. When you go into a battle, you're not questioning, whose side am I on? <laughs> like, what side of the war am I on here? You're not questioning, what's the objective? You want to take the hill, right? When you go into a game, you're not questioning whose team you're on or what your purpose is. You're there to win, and you know whose team you're on. And just so when we come into this battle of prayer and coming, we know the goal. It's right relationship with God. That's the goal. There can't be room for hesitation or like this back and forth. We know whose side we're on. No other gods. Him only. Joshua, in the book of Joshua, he encourages the, the people, today, choose today whom you will serve. Choose today whom you will serve. Fear the Lord, serve him completely and sincerely. And Jesus was determined. Um, he didn't give in to temptation. In the desert, he didn't give in to temptation. 
in Gethsemane, in the garden. He did not give in to temptation. Um, Isaiah 50 talks about, it's speaking of the Lord, he set his face like flint. That's immovable. He was decided. I will serve the Lord, and I will serve him only. Jesus was the perfect worshiper, and I want us to look at Jesus as our model. When we think about worship, we can learn a lot from him. And actually, Jesus, he is the perfect worshiper. And by our baptism, did you know in your baptism that you put on Christ, that you enter into the life of Christ, you enter into his body and so now we have this opportunity in him, with him, through him, to worship the one true God. That's pretty sweet, right? We, can't, we couldn't actually do that on our own. We can't do that on our own. It's because of our baptism and that we're in Jesus that we are able to worship the Lord. And I was thinking about um, Zachary's word from our kickoff of, from Revelations of the angels or the elders holding the golden bowl before the throne and the prayers of the saints rising like incense. I was thinking about that, that Jesus was that perfect sacrifice and the perfect incense and we get to combine our prayers and our worship with his. A pleasing fragrance. So we must beg God for the grace of worship and um, what, are the what are the determined responses we can make on our part? So this is where I want to get a little bit practical. Um, what are the determined responses we can make and how can we make determined responses? So first, so there's kind of three ways that I want to talk about with our words, with our actions, and with our hearts. I'm going to start with words. We worship the Lord with our words, and words are powerful. God created the world with his word, and he's made us in his image and likeness, so the things that we speak have a lot of power. The I, Guys, I got in such a, I'm not going to lie, this talk was like, whoa, there's so much. I like was in the catechism, just like, like looking, like in the prayer section, but one of the things um, with our words, what comes out of our mouth and the things that we speak affect what is inside of us and affects our soul. And what's in our soul affects what we speak, right? It's a two-way street. So what we say actually is really important for how our hearts are being formed. When we speak the truth, it has an effect on, our in, on ourselves, on our hearts, on the inside. And when we speak the truth, that has an effect on other people. It has an effect on the world around us. So this is why we worship vocally with words. I put some references on the back because I was like, there's so much good. So if you guys have a catechism at home, if you don't, you can just Google um, CCC, whatever paragraph number, and it shows up. But if you had time to go into that section on vocal prayer, it's really powerful. Words are important, so we worship the Lord with our words. Um, and we worship the Lord, too, with, with psalm. That's another word for song. We worship the Lord in song. And, again, Jesus is the perfect worshiper. He worshiped the Lord. It's kind of weird. Jesus is the Lord. But he entered into our humanity, 
and he sang psalms to his father, and he was perfect, perfect relationship with his father. He prayed the psalms. The psalms teach us how to praise God, and um, again, there's some catechism, good stuff in there about the psalms, but they teach us how to praise God. Okay, so those are our words, and we worship God with our words, and that's, that is a determined effort that we can make on our part to speak the truth and to worship and praise God with our words. Secondly, with our actions. So here I want to take us through a little bit of a scripture journey, right? Um, I want to look at a few scriptural examples of how people have worshipped the Lord God with their actions. So first, the woman with the alabaster jar. That was today's gospel reading. So good. This woman comes before Jesus, and what does she do? She bows. She comes fully aware of how low she has fallen in her sin, and she bows, and she's full of tears, and and she bows before him. And this is something we can do. We can come to God humbly. We can give him an act of humility, and we can that's an act of worship. And to receive his mercy, that's an act of worship, to come before him in true humility, recognizing who he is and who I am. So that's an act of worship, like this woman with the alabaster jar. We can come and bow before him. The widow with her might, <laughs> with her coin, right? The widow who comes, and it's the last coin she has and she puts it in that was it she didn't have anything else and this is an act of worship that we can make to the Lord when we don't have anything else we can give it when it's the last we have we can give it when it's I mean we can give our treasure we can give out of our need right we can give ourselves like our personality we can give the extra hour we can go the extra mile I want to be someone who goes the extra mile out of love for you and out of love for the Lord. That's, that's what we can do, like this widow. Put it all out. Lay it all out in the field, right? Um, Abraham and Isaac. I have two more examples. Abraham. Isaac was the promise. Can you imagine? Isaac was the promise. And what did Abraham do? He gave God an act of worship he gave God an act of obedience and an act of faith. This is a way that we can make a determined act of worship to the Lord, is to give our obedience, to make an act of faith. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about that, like our greatest act of worship this week may be that we obey the prompting that we have to sit next to the guy in our class or the girl in our class. Maybe that we obey the prompting to take the trash out or to ask my roommate, hey, you seem, you seem down, what's going on? Does that make sense? Like we can obey the Lord, that's an act of worship. Because it's, it's saying like, your way, God. <laughs> And this is very closely linked, but Jesus, his surrender to God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, in that moment, he, he consented to the Lord's will and to reality. He was like, I don't want to do this like this. 
you know, like, that's how I feel. But your will, not my will. Um, we can say, God, you're God. I'm not. Your ways, their thoughts, they're higher. They're better than my thoughts. And actually, you're right in all your thoughts. And you're right in all your ways. And I don't understand what you're doing right now. I have this conversation with the Lord a lot, <laughs> in case you can't tell. I don't understand why you're doing it this way. But you're right. You're right in all your ways. And I'm going to say yes to this situation. I'm going to say yes to this circumstance. And I'm going to go with it. And so I was, I told you I was in Kansas City with uh, my sister, like around the time they had the baby. And we went to the zoo. This was before the baby. And we were getting back into the van, and Madeline was sad because she's pouting because she didn't get ice cream. We weren't going to get ice cream, so she's <laughs> sitting in the back seat. <laughs> you know, you just hear every once in a while. And, and my sister Gina, she goes, Madeline, I know that you're upset. And, you know, she's like making eye contact in the rear view. I know you're upset, but please do your best to be cheerful. I don't know why that really stuck with me, probably because I'm Madeline most of the time, and I'm like, I want ice cream. <laughs> and I just need to be told, like, Emily, this is the way it is. Like, do your best to be cheerful. I don't know. It's a little thing, but it's, I think it's actually, like, an act of worship, that we, an act of love we can give to the Lord. Like, it's not going your way, and... You can either pout about it and rage against it, or you can just decide how you're going to handle it. I mean, like, she, Gina also was talking about, like, I'm pregnant, nine months. Like, it is not comfortable, but there is no way out. Like, I just get to decide how I want my attitude to be right now. Like, I can't decide anything else. And I just, like, that was so struck me this summer. Like, oh, my gosh. Yes. I can decide my attitude. I can consent to the present moment. God, your God, I'm not. Your ways are high above mine. You are right and just in all your ways. Um, okay, so those are kind of those examples that I wanted to give. Um, just a little connection in case you didn't make it. <laughs> Worship and sacrifice are very closely linked, <laughs> right? Worship and sacrifice are very closely linked. In all these instances, someone is having to choose to give something, to let something go, something that they value um, for the sake of something more important, right? So the widow gives her coin because God's worth it, and where that's going is worth it. Um, Jesus. He gives his will because he knows that the result is worth it. So they give everything, but they give it out of surrender to God's goodness. I know for me, I'm always like, like yes, I will give you everything. But it's, it's not like that. It's out of surrender to God's goodness. Because remember the first commandment? The worship of the one true God sets man free. When I give these things that I value and I care about, when I let them go, when I release them, I'm no longer bound by them. I'm not ruled by them. They don't lord over me, right? If I choose to hold on to my will and my disappointment, it's now ruling over me. But if I say, 
Jesus, you are the Lord, it has no more power over me, and I'm not a slave. Same with sin, right? I can choose to say no to something that I want or that I see as good because of something greater, because I don't want to be a slave. I just don't. <laughs> There's better things in life. There are better things in life. Okay. So we give everything out of surrender to God's goodness and because he loves us so much, he wants freedom for us. So we worship with our, with our actions and our choices. We worship with our words. And the last piece I want to talk about, we worship with our hearts, you guys. In Mark 7, 7, Jesus says to the Pharisees, about the Pharisees, he says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is farce. Farce means like um, play acting, like ridiculous, empty farce. Their worship, it's farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. The scary thing is that this could be us, like this could be me, and it is me sometimes, that I worship God with my mouth, but not with my heart. It's far away. It's tucked. <laughs> it's tucked back here in my little place, <laughs> you know, like far away. I don't want you, no, I don't want to tell you what I care about because you're just going to take it away. <laughs> like, I don't tell you, going to tell you what I want because, right? Like, we do that. Our, we keep our hearts far away. Um, so that's a real thing. But worship, it involves the heart. It involves our whole self. And we really, we need to wrestle with this. We need to wrestle with this because even that, is, is slavery, and the Lord wants freedom. Um, I really think that people will know the size of our God by the cost of our worship. I will. I really think that people will know the size of our God by the cost of our worship. And by cost, I mean the breadth, the depth of our worship. They'll know the size of our God by the cost. And yeah, maybe some of that is like visual, tangible things, like in our words, in our actions. But the real cost, like in here, like the heart is priceless, right? Like, and they'll know. Okay, so now for some fun. Um, <laughs> so I talked about this, about how when we're baptized, we are like in Christ and we are in his life and we've been baptized into Christ, covered with the Holy Spirit, put him on. We're in his body. Um, we're in the church, his body. And so one thing about worship that I want to kind of like draw us to is 
that we are the body of Christ and that we offer worship to the one true God together. So I think there's a lot from what we just talked about that we could reflect on in myself, right? My words, my actions, what are, what are the idols in my life? That might be something for you to reflect on. What are the things that I let rule over me? Um, there's a lot there for self-reflection, but I want us to think right now about our worship as a community because we do worship as a body and as a people. And I want, I hope you want this too, <laughs> as a body, as a community that the Lord has brought together, we're a part of the larger church, right? But we're also in a very particular way. Like, isn't it weird that we all happen to be here right now? Like, you, this time, this year, at Ohio State, that's not a mistake. And the Lord has brought us together as a people, and he has a purpose for us, a purpose to give glory to God, to bring right order to his world. It's actually our call. I also got sucked into this encyclical about the call of the lay people in the church. It's to order the temporal affairs, like the whole the world. There's like a special way and mission and purpose, that's all of us right now, that we get to give worship to God by helping to reorder, rightly order, our world around us, our classrooms, our, our study groups, our jobs. Um, so anyway, I want us to, we're going to take a little bit of time, think about as a community, I want us to be directed and purposeful in our worship as a body. I hope you want that too. Um, the question, I wrote this on the back, how do we, the, the question I want to ask is, how do we want to be defined in our worship of the one true God? What are the characteristics that we as a people want within our worship of the one true God? So we're going to do a little scripture scavenger hunt, and all the scriptures are on the bottom. So what we're going to do is, how many scriptures are there? Is it six? I think it's six. Eight? No. Great. Okay. <laughs> That's nice. Okay, so what we'll do is you guys, can I see that real quick? You guys take Joshua 24. So these two rows. You two rows, take the next one, Isaiah 50. You two rows, take Matthew, uh, Philippians. You guys take Philippians, you two rows. You guys... All back here. Take the next one. That's Matthew 26. Okay, and then we got Acts 2:42. Okay, this row. Luke 1. These two. Luke 1. Oh yeah. Okay, you two Corinthians. Yeah. You guys Corinthians. These two. Natalie's row. And then this row. You're alone. <laughs> You'll take Genesis 22. Okay. So what I want you to do is, hang on, hang on, hang on. You can like turn to each other and I want you to search that scripture that you were given and I want you to like see where the worship is in it and what's, what characterizes the worship. What's like the adjective to describe the worship? Does that make sense? What characterizes it? Okay, go. I'll tell you when I come back. <laughs> Thank you. 
Take one, take one more minute. here but I don't have like a whiteboard I just like put words on the PowerPoint so we're we can always change the words if we want to do that but I'm kind of it's like a little bit lead here just to be transparent so um okay so the first two rows could someone stand up and read the scripture to begin 
Let's make it snappy. Yeah, go. Um, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him completely and sincerely. Cast out the gods your ancestors served beyond the river and in, e and, in, and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is displeasing to you to serve the Lord, choose today whom you will serve. The gods of your ancestors served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the, whose country you are dwelling. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Nice. So what kind of adjective would go with that? Shout it out. Complete. Complete. Sincere. Sincere. Loyal. Loyal. Determined. Determined. Decisive. Decisive. You know, I did a, I like Googled that word once and I looked it up. And decisive actually, it comes from, it like means to cut. It's like you make an incision, decisive. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. But yeah, okay, um, yes. And actually the next scripture goes with this one as well. So um, can somebody from the next two rows stand up and read the scripture? Thanks, Matthew. Uh, uh, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain the word in the ear. Morning by morning he wakens. He wakens my ear to hear those who are taught. The Lord God has opened has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not back. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God helps me. Therefore I have not been confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flame, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Okay, does that like help solidify this first word? that I'm thinking we want to be defined by. <laughs> what do you think it is, Adeline? What are we hitting home? Yeah, from these two. Complete. Yeah. I, I, the word I used was determined. So that was kind of like mentioned earlier. But yeah, there has to be like this complete, total, like complete, like I am in. <laughs> like. I'm going. This is the direction, and I'm not turning back. <laughs> so when we, when we worship, we need to be determined that one God, serve him only. Praise him only. No idols. Okay, so the next one. Um, can someone stand up and read the Philippians? Um, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace of love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, the same love, united in heart, thinking as thinking one thing. Cool. What's our adjective here? Unity. Unity. United. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> united. Actually, guys, if you could write them here. I left you a huge blank space. And this is really like, I want us to take these. There is only going to be six. <laughs> adjectives away with us tonight. So the first one is determined and total. The second is united. And the third one, Matthew 26. Can someone read that, please? Thanks, Riley. Take, eat, this is my body, 
Okay, what do you think? Sacrifice. Sacrifice? Any others? I was thinking thankful. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> thankful, he, take, he took it, he gave thanks. <laughs> Sacrifice is also good. Sacrificial is good. That's good. Um, so let's, let's say thankful. I think sacrificial will come later. <laughs> Okay, Acts 2.42. Someone read that one. Yes. To devote themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to eternal life, to the breaking of the bread, to the prayers, walking upon everyone, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All the believers were together and had all things sell their property and possessions and buy them from all according to each Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple of and to breaking bread in their homes. They ate their meals with exaltation and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who Okay, this one kind of has them all. <laughs> But they ate their meals with exaltation, gladness, and sincerity of heart. Joyful. Laura, what's my next word? Can you put it up? Oh, thankful, joyful. There you go. I guess those two go together. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Luke 1. <laughs> Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their, in their most thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Okay, I love that one. I mostly just wanted the first part. Um, my soul magnifies the Lord, for he has done great things for me, and he has done great things, and holy is his name. That goes with thankful and joyful. Okay. Gen oh, whoops, I just gave it away. Corinthians 9. <laughs> This one's kind of with the sacrificial. Corinthians 9. Kevin, you got it. Yeah, Kevin. The point is this. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your resources and, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. 
You will be enriched in every way for great generosity, which through us you will produce thanksgiving to God. For the rendering of this service not only supplies the wants of the saints, but also overflows in many thanksgivings to God. Under the test of this service, you will glorify God by your obedience and acknowledging the gospel of Christ, and by the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his, his inexpressible gifts. That was a really long one, <laughs> but really good, really good, right? So the word there, thanks Kevin, the word there is generous, that our worship is generous, right? It's not sparing. We scatter, like, generously the seed, the words, the gratitude, right? Okay, last one. Let's go, Gina. Is this a long one, too? You can abbreviate it. Use your judgment. Then God said, Take your son Isaac, your only one, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There offer him up as burnt offering on one of the heights that I will point out to you. What did he do? He did it, right? He like brought him up. Okay, do we know what this one is? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obedient. <laughs> obedient, surrendered, <laughs> sacrifice. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so that was fun, right? We got six six kind of words up here. And seven if you count the slash, right? I can count three, five. Anyway. Um, okay. I just to wrap up guys, and to kind of lead us like into our into our night, we are going to worship in a particular way uh, this evening in a minute here, maybe a couple minutes. So I just want to say a few words about offering worship at particular times. Um, we cannot, so the catechism was saying, we cannot pray at all times if we cannot pray at certain times. We cannot worship with our whole life if we cannot worship with like at certain points in our life. Make sense? Do you see the parallel there? We cannot worship at all times if we do not worship at certain times. And so we actually have, and right now we have built into our life certain particular times of worship. And it, this looks a particular way right now while we're on campus, but I want us to also keep in mind that as we go through our life, we are going to be able to choose those particular times of worship, right? So right now, we have every other week a prayer meeting where we worship. It's a particular time where we worship the Lord. As we worship, so we live. As we live, we worship, right? So we want to worship in this particular time as and it will affect the way that we live our life. So we have prayer meetings. If you're in household, and if you're not, you may still do this. The Liturgy of the Hours is a very particular time where we can worship with the Psalms 
and we can do it every day. A priest once told me, Liturgy of the Hours, they're like hinges in a day. And maybe you're not always going to live in household and pray the Liturgy of the Hours. Well, you can still pray prayers before meal. Families set up a family prayer, right? Um, you may pray before dinner. You may do a night prayer with your family, your personal prayer. So we cannot pray at all times if we do not pray at certain times, and we cannot worship the Lord at all times if we do not worship at certain times. So I just want to draw that to our attention and as a, by way of encouragement for us in this coming year, as these things can become a, like more normal and regular, that we would engage with them and maybe press in a little bit to our times of morning prayer in our prayer meetings because as we worship, the way that we worship is the way we're going to worship in the world. Make sense? So we want to like practice and like offer acceptable worship to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah.